The Apprenticeship of Giuseppe Lupo Written by Yusuf El Deeb Narrated by Jason Melnichuk Chapter 1 The Blessing If you were enrolled in Hans Drup's creative writing class, you would have quickly learned that you signed up for constant disappointment. I reread the previous three sections forming the introduction, and I imagined him reading them. An image immediately appeared in my mind. I remember what he would have done with them. This style of writing. File 13. That's where he would have thrown them. File 13 is the garbage bin under his desk. You see, Hans had a way of making you hate yourself. When he didn't like your writing, the following scene would unfold. Actually, it didn't matter if he liked your writing or loved it. His reaction almost always was the same. Yusuf, your turn. Read. After I read the assignment to the class, I imagined that he would do this. Did you write this? Oh, yes. It has your proud name at the top in bold caps. Yusuf El-Deeb. But all over it, all I hear is your plodding, preachy style. I'm going to keep this story in a very, very special place. I wince now when thinking about him saying this, as I now know what he meant. The black garbage bin under his desk. Listen to this beautiful sound, he would say, referring to the sound of him very slowly tearing up my submission. That's the sound of a nice cold shower. No, not again. I would plead. Again and again. That's me washing the BS out of you. Now go back to Geo and ask him to tell you that session again. Or check your notes and give it another go. Write it again as if you are him. There is too much you in it. He surveyed the class. And to all of you I say this. Stop falling in love with your art. You're only allowed to fall in love with you creating your art, not with your art itself. Otherwise, you're dead as an artist. He looked back at me. As for you, stop looking at your navel when you write. Work with your head, not with your hands. It's not about you, so write his story objectively, without your greasy breadcrumbs appearing in the text. So, here we begin the stories that he did not throw into file 13. Chapter 1. Italy, 1951. The water drenches his face. Ahead of him, he sees the ice-cold rain pour down and cover the road. The runoff water forms a slippery sheet as it races, winding its way to the side gutters. His bicycle sways under him due to the weight of the old suitcase and from the pressure of the strong sidewind. A passing truck zips past and blasts an ear-piercing horn that surprises him. His arms shake and give way, and the front tire swivels madly, as if on its own. Around him, fields of green are now washed khaki with the rain. His body is cold and wet. His shirt and pants are like cold second skins. He has a destination and a plan. 
and he must reach it despite the hardships on the way. Only one plan for this twelve-year-old, to reach the Achera displaced persons camp on the outskirts of Naples. The dust of the World War has settled, and refugee camps have sprung all over Europe. The war is so horrendous that estimates of the dead vary between 35 and 60 million. The wounded and the refugees are in every town and village. In charge of this camp that the boy is heading to is First Lieutenant Irving M. Ryer, a Canadian soldier and peacetime attorney. Deep in his pocket, Geo hides it from the rain, a letter that he protects from the storm in a wax paper envelope wrapped in sheepskin. It's addressed to this camp commander. In the letter, his case is presented. An orphan boy with no immediate still-living relatives and a recommendation for inclusion on HMCS Hyada, the Canadian destroyer slated for departure in two days. The letter is signed by the Southern Refugee Affairs HQ. He plods through on his bicycle, the rain washing down everything around him. He estimates that he has another two small villages to pass before arriving at the camp. All he can think about is his mother and her begging him on her knees to leave. She hands him the letter. There is no future for you here, Gio. Leave and I will follow, I promise, she implores him. In the distance, in the middle of the endless vineyards, the boy spies a white structure, a countryside church. He thinks he can afford an hour or two there to dry himself. A giant army tank carrier whizzes by and the slipstream pushes him and the bike topsy-turvy into the gutter. His slight body is no match for the blast of the suction and splash from the passing trucks. This confirms to him that it's time to shelter from the rain. He struggles to push the bicycle through the mud as he crosses the farm to the church. He feels in his pocket for the letter. It's safe. It's his only ticket now. There is no turning back. The angry grey storm above him rumbles as if to say, No turning back now. Go. Make a new life. Grow and I will follow. His mother asks of him again. You have his address in Montreal. Uncle Flavio. Look for his deli. He will give you a job and you will be just fine. The church door is ajar. He brings his bicycle inside and looks around. The church is empty, echoing the sound of rain beating down on the roof and small windows. He feels sheltered. He sits at a bench and breathes in the scent of melted wax and smoke. He sees the source. Three leaning short candles under a small bust of the Virgin Mary. He assumes that someone must have lit these earlier that morning. He hears a shuffle. Next to the altar, from a small velour-curtained door, an old priest walks in. Hello, my son. The priest squints at him. Come here. Come closer so that I can bless you. Geo stands and looks back at his bicycle to check it, then walks up to the altar. He stands at the first step of the altar and remembers that he should kneel, as he has always seen his mother do. There, there, come closer, the priest calls him, 
as he reaches into his pocket. Geo thinks that it's to get a holy cross to bless him. Instead, the priest retrieves a wallet out of his pocket. He takes two new ten lira notes. Now kneel, my son, and I will make a prayer. He looks at the liras and whispers a quiet prayer. Here, take these and put them in your pocket. Keep them safe. Let's pray. May the blessings of Our Lady cover your path and every step that you take. Pray to her at every moment of need, and she will be there to shield you from evil. Her eternal blessings will shine forever within you. Her prayers for you will send the fortunate and all good fortune to you on your journey. Go now. All will flow. Geo repeats. All will follow in his mind. That's what Mama said. She twice said to him, I will follow. He looks up at the priest, but there is no one there. In his hands he feels for them. They are still there, the two ten lira notes. He notices that the sound of the rain has stopped. The church is dead quiet. A ray of the sun slowly streams in through a stained glass window in the corner. He hears a bird tweet, and he knows that now there is no time or reason to linger.